already uh, demonstrated and uh, talked this morning about the difference that a cow makes, but also what a difference a day makes. 24 little hours, isn't it? That's how the song goes. Life-changing moments, life-changing days. We've all had them, haven't we? Sort of days that rock the world. Some which are good and some which are not so good. And during this last week in the news, there have been a few, haven't there? Kate and William have now got a girl. That's nice, isn't it? An event that's replicated across the nation. Many, many people have had children in the last week. Also on a totally different scale and on a totally different life-devastatingly different mood, we can see what a difference a day makes in the nation of Nepal. So many people now struggling. But just as we reflect as a kind of intro into my address, what a difference a day makes, we can look at the early church and how 24 hours, or even just a few moments, actually made such a difference. And in fact, actually began the early church. You see, for those of you who are doing the E100, and I do hate for it to sound like a rather a clique thing. Everybody's welcome to do it, and people today have brought books, and we can, uh, can get some more if you want them. E100 is actually reading through Acts. Now, Andrew gave me another notice, but I had mercy on Mike. I didn't give it to him. Here is the book of Acts that you can see in a DVD if anybody wants to borrow it. Um, they'd be very welcome and, and pass it round. That's another way of reading the book of Acts. But we're going through the book of Acts, and early on in the book of Acts, does anybody want to borrow it, by the way? I just, yeah, want to borrow? Anybody got a DVD? No? Well done then, Len. There we go. So when you finish with it, you can bring it back and let somebody else borrow it. Apparently it's quite good. Not that it's come out of the cellophane wrapping, but I'm sure he must actually have seen clips of it before he ordered it on the internet. We're looking, aren't we, um, those of us who are reading, but don't worry, you can be caught up because there's actually um, some of those readings here as part of my address this morning. We looked in the previous week, actually, at Pentecost, didn't we? And obviously, Thomas Risley is ahead of its time, because Pentecost, Whit Sunday, um, is not this bank holiday, it's the next one at the end of May that we celebrate that occasion. But that was a life-changing time, when God's Holy Spirit came in power and really rocked people's world. God had promised it, hadn't he? He'd sent um, prophets who'd spoken like Joel about it. In uh, You can read in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that he promised, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even my male and female servants in these days, I will pour out my spirit on them, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and on the earth below. He'd said it was coming. And there's lots of other prophetic words. I won't spend all morning this morning bringing them to you. But but he promised that his Holy Spirit was going to come. And when that Spirit came that we read about a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure, a week ago rather, and I'm sure we're going to perhaps hear about it again on Pentecost Sunday, that made a dramatic difference. It was a life-changing day. 
The church, the early church, began with an exhilarating growth spurt, with healings, with miracles, with signs, with wonders. And then there was the work of all of the dynamic people of God, but particularly the dynamic duo of Peter and John. Their ministry began, and in the next couple of chapters that we looked at over the last week, their ministry had begun. Let's hear from Maggie what happened in one day in the life of Peter and John. We just have that first reading from the, one of the readings. You'll recognize it if you've been following the E100 this week. The reading is from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And it's Peter heals the crippled beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Just stay there for a moment, Maggie, because I've just got a couple of words, but I can say them from here with my microphone. Okay. (laughs) So that, I mean, not only was there a difference that a day made Pentecost that there were these empowered people, but, but what an amazing difference to the life of that beggar. Because I guess he thought it was going to be the same old thing. You know, he was going to... He didn't get up really, did he? But he was going to wake up and his friends were going to carry him to the same place. His, his good pitch, I mean, to be fair, it has to be one of the best pitches, doesn't it, really, outside the temple as people count into pray. You know, they were hopefully going to be, have a good attitude of heart. But he wasn't really expecting great things, I would imagine. He certainly wasn't expecting people to say, look at me, you know, look at me. I mean, obviously, you, know, you do not, if you're not wanting to give money, want a, be- a beggar to actually have eye contact with you. But then the amazing, life-transforming thing happened. He was healed, and he was just dancing and leaping and praising God. Now, there's a song all about it, isn't there, which you may have known from, from junior church or whatever. But, but as, you know, as Peter, if, he was, if there was a ceiling, you'd have had to have peeled him off a ceiling with his excitement, wouldn't you? As he was doing that, then as the beggar kind of grasped hold of Peter's wrists, then Peter delivered. I mean, God had not only just anointed him with healing gifts, he then delivered this amazing kind of talk then, amazing sermon to the gathered crowd who'd come and to see what on earth was going on in their locality. So do you want to read just the next bit, Maggie, about what happened almost next? next, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 to 20. Peter speaks to the onlookers. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? 
Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, who you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Amen. I love the kind of expression, you know, don't just stand and stare, sort of do something is what Peter was saying, wasn't he? The fact that, you know, I I suppose really that he'd not just been anointed, as I mentioned earlier, with the healing gift from the Holy Spirit. He'd also anointed with this kind of intentionality about his preaching. He didn't just kind of, you know, read scripture them, to them. He kind of applied it to their lives. And, you know, this, this Peter who denied Jesus three times, we know that, you know, and obviously that, that he'd been forgiven by Jesus and, and reinstated. But, but now he'd got the courage of a lion, hadn't he? You know, and, it, and he was kind of really pointedly saying to these people who did not want to hear this, repent and turn to God. This is what you need to do so that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know, he'd had a time of refreshing, hadn't he? He'd received at that Pentecost day, but that was an ongoing thing for him. And he knew through God working through him, that his target audience, who were some of the people who were there at that time, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, and, and later on we read, as, as Felicity is going to bring to us just the final bit of our reading this morning, later on that, um, that the, 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 um, the people who were actually involved in Jesus' death were going to be his target audience, you know, Caiaphas and, and Annas and, and the chief priests and the Sadducees, all the different people who, who were opposed to Jesus were his audience now. And, and he was kind of capitalizing really on this miraculous thing. It became not just a miracle, this healing, but it became a sign and wonder of the kingdom. This is happening in your midst. You made a big mistake. You need to turn and repent from it, he was saying. He said... And he applied scriptures that they would have known to them. And he said that this was what was prophesied by God. This was the amazing outcome that was prophesied to Moses. And as we continue reading from that passage, we'll hear more about what he said. Thank you, Felicity. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 20. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, 
It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But John and Peter replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter was never going to be popular, was he, with this kind of message? He was saying to the people who thought they knew best you've messed up. You made a mistake. You sent Jesus to die, yet he was the cornerstone. It talks, doesn't it, in that passage about the stone that you builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that wasn't going to go down well. So they then had, in the passage that we read around that, they then had the decision that they were going to send him directly to jail. And from that point, they were not, it said that they were told not to speak. They didn't not speak, did they? They knew that, that God had given them the power to speak and they weren't going to be shut up, you know, even though it did actually, within them, give the seeds of persecution. The seeds of persecution, but also the seeds of new birth were both sown on that day. It says in Galatians 6, 8, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will will reap eternal life. Peter and John then, for their own lives, it was not good. But yet for us as a church, without them, there would be no church. The early church reaped a harvest because of what they said. And because of the day of Pentecost, there was new life. 
But it wasn't just the day of Pentecost, was it, that actually catapulted the new church into its existence. There were certain things about Peter and John's and the other early churches' lives that actually meant that the church would grow and it would sprout this new life. And I like to call it, just for the sake of this sermon, the PPIs. Okay, have you had people phoning up about your PPIs? Have you got one? I don't know whether I've got, I don't think I've got one at all. The public, what was it, public insurance, wasn't it? Yeah, public protection. Anyway, PPIs, okay? For the sake of the sermon, they'd got those three things, and that's what gave life to the new church. Presence, prayer, and intentionality. They had been in the place of the presence of God. Yes, at Pentecost, but before and after Pentecost too. They'd walked and they'd talked and they'd listened and they'd heard from Jesus and they'd prayed with him and they'd got an ongoing intimacy with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. They knew what they meant. Jesus had made his home with them, but also spiritually they had that connection with God. And I'd just like to ask you a question this morning. How is your God presence? Do you, like they did, long for the presence of God? It wasn't just when Jesus was around in the flesh in that sense. It was also after that time, at the, just before Pentecost, they were there with closed doors. They were there seeking the presence of God and direction from him. They were praying constantly. It says in Psalm 91, verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, verse 4 also says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I like those two passages because they talk about the secret place. And I've got a book, okay? Be warned, when I get a book, it normally springs a series. And I've got a book, and not only have I got a book, I've got a course book to go with the book, and I've got a teaching manual to go with the book, and I've got a DVD. Axe DVD, Lynn, I'll lend you that one. You're not having it, though, because I'm taking this on holiday. Because it says it's about secrets of the secret place. And this guy called Bob Sorge, who wrote it. And anyway, I won't tell you about him. I'll tell you about him later, no doubt, as I'm sure I will actually use that. Because it talks about where is the presence of God? The presence of God yet was at Pentecost. The presence of God yet is when we have times of of wonderful Holy Spirit-inspired worship. But actually, the presence of God is in the secret place. It's in your life with God, your prayer life with God. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus teaches us about getting into the secret place with God. When you pray, go into your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Secret place is in your room with your door shut when it's just you and God. That is 
one of the key and most important places to experience the presence of God. And we have Jesus' promise that God is there listening to us in that secret place. He sees and he hears you. And again, in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That is a promise from God. It's saying, I mean, blessed are the pure in heart. You may say I'm not pure in heart. I mean, but basically it is somebody who's repentant before God, somebody who confesses Jesus as Lord, who comes before him will see God. That is his promise. It comes back, if you like, to Peter's challenge. Don't just stare. Do something. Repent and turn to God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, it says in Matthew 5, it's a good chapter, that chapter. For they will be filled. The promise is that if you hunger and if you thirst for God, if you ask that he gives you that thirst for him, he will come to you in that secret place. That's the first P, God's presence. Which leads naturally on to the second P, of course, which is the P of prayer. And from that time of prayer, God will give you that intentionality. As the early church had God's presence in their worship, in their secret intimacy with them, in their life rooted through prayer, they had the ability to hear from God, to respond to his call, and to cooperate with what he was saying and doing. So that they did things like Peter did, and instead of just fumbling into their pocket for a fluffy denarii, they said things like, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, it wasn't just because the first century apostles were special spirit-empowered people that they were something very different because it says, does it not in the Bible, that they were clearly unschooled and ordinary people. It was just that they'd been in that place of the presence of God. They'd prayed, they'd heard what he was doing and what he was asking them to say and they had that gift of faith and walked in obedience. It's no magic formula the secrets of the secret place we can do that too as I said I've got this holiday reading and I hope when I come back I will have a better prayer life a better grasp of what it is to be in the place of the presence of God and a greater intentionality because we all need that don't we that there are times when you think I've just missed that oh if only I'd done that But perhaps that's because we aren't actually quite as switched on as we should be. And God perhaps just digs us a little bit and says, you could really have done that now. But if we'd have been listening before we went out, before we had that conversation, then God would work more dramatically and dynamically with us too. So do you have that thirst? Do you have that hunger? Are you an ordinary not-so-terribly-well-schooled person. I am. So let's just come before God. Come into that secret place here. And offer ourselves to him.
Lord, we thank you for the stories of the early church when your powerful presence moved upon the earth. But we thank you, Lord, for times when we've experienced your powerful presence in our lives. We thank you for times like the time a few weeks ago when Rachel Hickson was here, when God's powerfully spoke. What's the difference, Lord? Is it because there is an expectation that you will move? Is it because those special days are days just covered in prayer? We pray, Lord, now that your powerful presence will move in our lives. We welcome you in. We come before you, not just to stop and stare, but to do something. Say, God, I welcome you into my life to ask that you transform me from the ordinary to the extraordinary person of God that you want to transform me into being. Move in my life. Equip and empower me. Give me that intentionality that I can see the wave of your spirit and I can cooperate with you so that your kingdom will come. Your will will be done. Starting in my life and reaching out into the life of your world. Amen.